tuned into the GoCast podcast, your one-stop shop for updates, news, tips, and community in the world of Pokemon Go. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to the GoCast podcast, episode 186. I'm your host, Chris, and no Kyle this week, and actually kind of almost know me this week as well. Kyle and I struggled to find a time this week to uh, record. We usually record on Tuesdays. Some stuff came up, personal stuff. Then I was like really sick around Friday or whatever. And then we just basically ran out of time. So what we do have for you this week, besides this uh, preamble of sorts, more like a pre-ramble. <laughs> uh, geez. Uh, we do have a full PvP corner segment for you from Fish and DeFi-E because they are the superior duo on this show. Now, we will be back this upcoming week for episode 187. Actually, now that I'm looking at the calendar, we are recording tomorrow night, April 12th. So that'll be that'll be good because there's a whole bunch of stuff to cover and we're well aware of everything that's going on because we've been keeping up and talking about it. So things like, you know, the rare candy changes, uh, you know, how the rocket event went and things like that. So we're excited to discuss that Mudkip Community Day Classic and all of the above. But until then and before then and in between then and there, here's that PvP corner segment. Thank you so much, Fish and DeFi-E. You two are the best. Over to the two of you. Hi, I'm Fish Anahita. And I'm DeFi-E250. And this is PvP Corner, the PvP segment that sweeps all of its practice tournaments. DeFi, what is going on in PvP right now? Let's start off with a little bit of Go Battle League. Right now, April 5th to April 12th is Open Master League and Halloween Cup. Definitely be getting your sets in right now because there are three times win Stardust. So be sure that you are playing. This is a great time. I talked about the Halloween Cup with Kyle last week. So I suppose I should start before I do anything else. Welcome back, Fish. Hey, thank you. I listened to that, and that was that was really fun. You guys uh, have great chemistry. Oh, definitely missed having you around. It was odd to go through <laughs> uh, and talk about PvP without you. So, are you excited for the Halloween Cup? Have you prepped anything? Doing anything fun for like a meme team? Uh, not really a meme team. Uh, just running stuff that is, I think, is fun to use. So, um, there was we, we've got a friend of the show called uh, Lyle Jeffs. He's running a team of it was Sableye, Shadow Nido Queen, and Shadow Skun Tank. I don't have shadows of either of those two Pokemon, and I also don't have a Sableye. So. Um, I'm running a variation on that, which is Cofagrigus in the lead and then regular Nidoqueen and Skuntank. And, uh, it been going pretty well. Like I managed to flip battles that I don't think I should, like managing to like close out a battle against a Mandibuzz by KOing with a Shadow Ball <laughs> from Koffer or something like that. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Excellent. I'm looking at Grimer, Alolan Grimer as an option for Ooh. Halloween Cup. Uh, I do have a shiny that has a really good stat product that I'm looking at powering up. So maybe building a team around that, just trying to find something yeah. different and fun to use um, in this interlude season. Have you got the XLs? I do. Ooh. 
doesn't even have to get all the way to 50 grammar. Oh, is that so, right? I didn't actually know that. I thought it was a, a level 50. Mm-mm. You can have it at 50, but mine will get there just fine a little under 50. Oh, that's awesome. Next up, though, we will be looking at April 12th and April 19th. Fish, I hope I got this right. At your least favorite meta, probably other than Catch Cup, is probably the OG Little Cup. The original Little Cup with the original Little Cup rules. Yeah, prob- Technically, yes, you're right. Least favorite other than Catch Cup. Uh, but I have uh, willed myself into not being so down on it um in the last couple of seasons like it's it's here to stay just get over it and embrace it so bronzor since the last time we had little cup what made little cup so frustrating the first time around was nothing really could effectively counter bronzor and you ended up in a lot of bronzor mirror matches where all of Bronzor's moves were ineffective. It only really had access to psychic and steel type moves. Well, a couple seasons back, Bronzor got payback, which is a huge improvement. So even though Bronzor is still going to be really, really good, those mirror matches are going to go super fast because <laughs> payback is a powerful move. So that will be definitely a big difference. I am TMing payback onto my shiny Bronzor as we speak. It's my lucky shiny Bronzor. Bronzor needs to be at around um, like level 30 for a little cup. Yep. Um, I imagine Dino would still be a perfectly fine counter for it. Yeah, this dragon type fast move dragon breath is not going to be effective against steel but it is double resisting confusion it is so i would have to check like i'm not sure i feel like it's not it's not a hard counter by any means yeah right But it's definitely um more often i see as a like more of a hard counter would be something like a whooper or yeah like that a- makes sense Fire types, I saw quite a yep. few in the original Little Cup to counter. Vulpix, I remember being very popular. Bronzor's got the psychic typing as well, doesn't it? Or yep, is it? So it is a steel yeah. and psychic Pokemon. It runs confusion as its fast move. Because the other thing about Bronzor is that it can also run tackle instead of confusion, and it gets you slightly different results. So uh, maybe a ghost type of some kind could be a good counter as well. Well, I think the benefits of confusion outweigh, but I would have to run the Sims to know for sure. Well, tackle is better in the mirror match. Yes. <laughs> mirror match was awful. Like the bronzor, the the old bronzor mirror match was <laughs> probably the worst mirror match Ooh, in PvP. That's a big call. I'm calling it worse <laughs> than because at least with Umbreon, you can hit a move for neutral. I've always thought Bastiodon was the worst mirror match. Sidebar, fire hits neutral <laughs> on a Bastiodon, though, right? You can hit for neutral. Yeah, but flamethrower non-stab against something with infinite bulk. But Bronzor is, bul- Bronzor is incredibly bulky. Like, it okay, was bad, okay. Fish. It was bad. Everything, it's, Ferrothorn mirror matches can be pretty rough, too, but Ferrothorn's not nearly as bulky. I'll, I'll concede. You win. Okay. You win the okay. debate, the great uh, PvP corner debate of 2022. <laughs> Fantastic, as it should be. <laughs> I'll get you next year. 
All right. Looking ahead one more week, April 19th to the 26th, we will see Open Ultra League and the Retro Cup. Retro Cup meaning back in Generation 1, there were no steel, no dark types. And prior to Generation 6, we did not have fairy types either. So this Retro Cup bans all steel, all dark, all fairy types. Put those charmers on the bench. Get that Azu and Umbreon out of here. G-Fisk just gone no more <laughs> some popular picks from last time Frostlass uh obviously makes a really good safe swap given energy does really well here in the meta without the dark types to worry about also lick a tongue does quite well as well moving on to our self check-in and the nemesis cup has officially begun DeFi, what are you seeing so far? Have you been in any practice tournaments? Are you seeing any cores? Are you liking any particular teams? So I have done one big practice tournament. It was streamed live. It was a collaboration between the Girls That PvP community and my PvP academia. I was joined by some fantastic co-hosts, Hurricane Kaz and Final Boss AJ and Enhoff, and then Lundberger was also on streams running stream running the production. It was such a good time, and I got to see a lot of really good teams. This uh, Galvantula, incredibly popular. We'll cover that more later. Noctowl and Frostlass were far and away the most, the two most popular anti-fighters. The two most popular in the fighter category were Polyrath and Quagsire. Lots of like Walrin, Venusaur, Crustle, lots of really um, picks like that. Ferrothorn was popular as well couple spicy things and hoff of course being the sandshrew lover brought her a al- maxed out alolan sandshrew to the party which was really cool to see hurricane kaz brought drapion which was definitely like not spicy but just kind of a sneak pick that we didn't see coming but drapion did so so well credilly was also a really interesting pick i think i took the spice crown though i brought a Victini. I, yeah, Victini's got play. Uh, Confusion uses uh, something else in this cup and with that fire damage as well. So fire damage is very sought after and, yeah, Confusion as well. So having both of those in one Pokemon, Fish approves. It was a lot of fun. So the tournament went really, really well. Hurricane Kaz won the tournament. It was really cool. The shoutcasters also got to play, and we took turns casting each other's matches. It was a really cool setup. Um, but Hurricane Kaz won. I took second place along with JoJo. All right, Fish, let's go ahead and dive into those cup stats and see what's being popular in more than just that gr- one Girls That PvP tournament. Let's take a look at the whole meta in general. Uh, I'll read off the top four. Galvantula at 28% usage. Galvantula is going to be on nearly a third of all teams. That is impressive. Walrin at 24%. And then we get our first fighter, which is Polyrath at 17%. And then our second most popular fighter in Quagsire at 15%. We have Drapion, which DeFi has already mentioned. That is also at 15%. Then we have the next fighter, Blaziken, and our first anti-fighter in Noctowl at 14%. Beedrill is at 13%. Crustle and Dedene, the next anti-fighter. 
We've got Malamar, which is another incredibly popular pick at about 9%. And then my girl Frostlass rocking at 8%, the next anti-fighter. So definitely a very popular pick. And then I would say the last two that would we can note here, 8% of users have been using Ferrothorn and 7% have been using Wormadam Trash. So some steel types in the meta here. And there's actually a, a couple more even further down. I, I don't know how far down we should read because there's plenty of viable stuff like uh, Macago down at 5%. I had that in my team for a, a fair while. Credilly at 6% usage is something that I was running initially, but then traded for Ther- Ferrothorn because it has a better matchup against uh, both Galvantula and Warrain. Or maybe not Galvantula. Uh, Warrain, definitely. Yeah, uh, Marwile as well I was running for a while. Um, Gallade at 3% is something that I'm really looking at. Gallade is really interesting because it beats all of the most popular fighters. So it beats Polyrath, it beats Quagsire, and it beats Blaziken. And there's really not much that can beat all three. Uh, it also has a pretty good time against Walrein and Beedrill. It does lose to Galvantula. So that's kind of the only reason I haven't just locked that thing away on my team <laughs> is that the most popular Pokemon does beat it. My Victini is down there at 1%. So there are some people <laughs> who do see it. Uh, something again, I think worth noting when you take a look at these ratings, Gorgeist is split into its four sizes. Each size is currently ranked at about 1%. So if you combine that together, Gorgeist as a species <laughs> is at about 4% usage. The GoCast podcast Discord tournament starts on April the 14th. Each round goes for 48 hours. So uh, you can join and kind of fit it in with your schedule, set a time with your opponent, do your battles, and we're looking to get just as much participation as we did last month. It was a really good month, and I'm looking to win one this month. I want to sweep this time. Well, we'll all be here trying to stop you. I am too competitive to try to allow that to happen. All right, Fish, let's get into our deep dive for the week. We got an email from Sarah Amanda. Sarah Amanda wanted to, us to dedicate a segment to talking about the Sylph Arena and their rules, specifically the rules around simming. And here is her email. I'm not going to name any names, but from my time participating in Sylph tourneys, I've come across people who don't know all the Sylph rules and were breaking them. Namely, not running your opponent's team through a battle simulator prior to fighting them, but also changing your Pokemon's moves in between rounds or matches. I'm not concerned necessarily with getting losses versus opponents who are running sims on my team prior to battle. There's no real way to police if people are following the rules or not. I'm just bothered that people are accidentally cheating without realizing it. I'm not sure what's a good way to get the word out. The rules are easy to be found, but it is a wall of text. So I'm sure most people skim through it and don't actually read it. Maybe it would be a good segment to slip into a PvP corner. Well... Done and done. Done and done. Some background on me that you might not know. Even though I play a lot of Pogo, my primary hobby is actually board games. Between me and my significant other, Leon, we have hundreds of board games. Teaching rules is a thing we both enjoy, which is handy because typically when playing a board game, a rules teach or refresh is needed for at least one other person at the table. So we can power through it quickly and get to playing. 
We also create storage things for our games, like tuck boxes and to store the cards that also have instructions on what to do with the cards when setting up the game. The less I have to refer to the rulebook for every little thing, the better. But actually, it turns out most people hate reading rules. They just want to play the game. So basically, I take pride in teaching rules of games to people so everyone can have fun. I want people to know what the rules are so everyone is playing on the same field and fairly. This is why it has bothered me so much that numerous people I've battled against in self tourneys did not realize they were breaking the rules, as opposed to how it is not possible to actually enforce the rule. To be fair, I think that prior to discovering other people didn't know about simming during tournaments, I don't think I had read the full rules either. But also to be fair, why would I? Or why would I have expected others to have done so? From surveying the Discord servers I'm in that run Sylph Cup tournaments, only Girls That PvP explicitly goes out of their way to say, we follow all Sylph Arena rules. Please read them here. And posts the link. And this is included in their server's welcome slash getting started channel. The other servers I'm in are much more casual slash not only PvP oriented, so they would not specifically call out self rules in their welcome slash getting started channel. Usually there's just a channel announcing the new Sylph Cup. Granted, the Sylph Cup rules page does have a link to their overall rules buried in the page, but I wouldn't bet on casual players clicking a link in a link for more rules. When you register your team for the tournament check-in, there is an abbreviated rules bulletin of 11 items. At the bottom, it says something like, I agree to follow the tournament rules with a checkbox. I read this every time before I check the box. They formatted it well. Main points are bolded, some details after. However, simming is not mentioned here at all. They do specifically mention spoofing, but surely simming is more common for people to do than spoofing, so why not mention both? The full rules looks like one of those terms and conditions pages that literally no one reads. Obviously, the full rules need to exist for details, but I wouldn't expect casual Joe to read this, especially when there were abbreviated rules on the sign-up page. Surely all the important stuff was covered in there, the casual Joe would think. PvPoke simming is covered under rule 3.3, outside assistance and external resources. Competitors may not utilize any programmatic or script-driven resources which provide strategic direction against teams of three made from their opponent's specific battle team, including anything which provides advice on team composition, shield usage, charge move selection, or any simulation of move-for-move matchups against your opponent's battle team. All right, I'm going to pause there, and I definitely agree. It's hidden in there. A lot of people who play Sylph don't realize you can use PV Poke all you want in creating your team, but the second that tournament starts, you are not allowed to plug in your actual opponent's team into PV Poke and run it against your own. An additional reason for why I had never actually sought out the rules, I just inferred. Before COVID, it was common for tournaments to be held in person and completed in the same day. I imagine if you get matched up with your opponent, you find your opponent, you knock out your three battles. There's no time to say, I need a five-minute break to run battle simulations on your team. That makes no sense in a real-time in-person setting. So without reading the full rules, I assumed that simming during a tournament is not allowed. When I discussed stuff after the official battle with my opponent and realized that they had simmed, I was second-guessing myself. Did I make the rule up? Where had I even heard it? Therefore, some ways for Sylph to better inform people of the rules could be one, Sylph putting simming in their abbreviated rules, 
or rely on the community to further get out that message. I emailed Sylph immediately, team at thesylphworld.com, because this seemed like an obvious no-brainer thing that would help mitigate some of this. Sure, maybe everyone doesn't actually read the abbreviated rules either, but I'm sure a lot more people read the abbreviated rules than the full rules, so this could only help. I got back the reply. I'll pass the comment on to the website team, though it is player responsibility to be aware of all of our rules, not just the ones summarized on the registration screen. So um, I don't have a lot of hope here in them adding this to the abbreviated rules page. It felt like the guy who replied to my email thought that this isn't a real problem. Having casual Joe read the 13 page document and then translate it from general rules speak to how is this applicable to what I do speak hasn't been very effective in the past. So I've been trying to think of fun and approachable methods to educating the masses of casual Joes out there. We could discuss the topic in general, bring more awareness. We could have an infographic summarizing key self rules. People love infographics. And an anonymous <laughs> survey where you mark which behaviors are within self rules could be like a fun activity where you learn something. I think that's all for now. Peace, Sarah Amanda. All right. So that was a big topic and I align very much with a lot of Sarah Amanda had to say. One quick thing I wanted to bring up is, yeah, during in-person pre-COVID tournaments, you definitely could not sim your battles in between tournaments. It was just it was cl a clear rule. I think going remote seemed to muddy things for people. I remember going to regionals and somebody had a printed out a binder of every single Pokemon <laughs> matchup and brought it with them. It wasn't programmatic. He had done it all before the tournament and he was studying it in between rounds. He had like a full binder fish. <laughs> mm, yeah. And it's that kind of contributes to the issue, I feel, in that it's very hard to define. I think they've done as good a job as they can to define what exactly is allowed in this area and what's not. But it is still very, very confusing. For me, I'm a rule follower as well. I, I completely relate to Sarah Manders' idea of like, well, we're all, we've all agreed to play this game, so let's agree to play it by the actual intended rule set. So my solution would actually be get rid of the rule. I do follow the rule. I do make sure I don't sim people's teams during tournaments, but I, I think it's outdated. Like Sarah Amanda said, it was designed for a time when tournaments were all done in person. Now that everything is online, I think the rule just doesn't achieve the things that they wanted to achieve. I wonder if in a time far in the future, when we are fully past the pandemic and everything is, will self-tournaments come back to being more in person? And maybe this rule will be more applicable because it doesn't make sense. You can't just sit and sim teams for 10 minutes in between yeah. rounds. That's not okay. Like It makes a lot of sense for in-person tournaments. So maybe they need different rule sets for in-person versus remote. I, I would even be happy with like maybe even getting rid of the rule for in-person tournaments as well, but then being a lot stricter on uh, enforcing time limits. So you can run a quick sim if you want, but if you're holding up the tournament, then you'll get penalized. Yeah, that could make a lot of sense to me. I could get behind something like that. So thanks, Sarah Amanda, for that amazing email. I have said it before, I love like deep thinking discussion pieces like that. So um, yeah, really, really happy to have had that to chew on. 
Time to take a look at our shameless plugs. Uh, DeFi, do you have anything to plug? Not too much. Just in the more DeFi section of the show notes, uh, you can be taking a look at uh, my Twitch, my Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm hoping to get back to posting on that soon. <laughs> awesome. Uh, for us in Pallet Town, we have I mentioned our Ultra League draft competition that is running at the moment. So we are kind of featuring the battles that happen for that competition on the Pallet Town YouTube and Twitch channels on Tuesday nights US time. So you can check out what happens each round there. We've got I did a complete breakdown of Nemesis Cup. With I've already mentioned Lyle Jeffs the third. Um, he came onto our stream and we just took a look at every Pokemon we could take a we could think of and uh, kind of how they match up against the rest of the competition. So that vod is currently on Twitch and I need to take it and upload it to YouTube as well. So that should happen by the time you listen to this. And the big one is friend of the show Logan Rocket, the first play Pokemon regional champion for Liverpool. He has agreed to come onto our stream and talk about team building for future regionals tournaments. So if you have any intention of participating in a regionals competition at some stage, maybe you've had some experience with pick six formats before, maybe you haven't, this will be a really, really good learning opportunity. That is happening on Sunday the 17th at... 12 p.m. UTC or 8 a.m. Eastern US time. So tune in for that. That'll be YouTube and Twitch. And with that, I think we have a segment. We love hearing your feedback. If you have any questions or suggestions for Fish or for myself, you can direct your feedback to PVP Corner at gocastpodcast.com. In the show description, you can click on more Fish or more DeFi to take you to our other projects and ways to contact us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. All right, thanks a million fish and defy e appreciate those two in situations like this most of all but all the time nonetheless um we also appreciate you dear listener for listening all the way through to the end of this i suppose truncated episode uh so thanks very much for hanging in there and we, we appreciate you your listenership and we'll see you next week kyle and i will be back there's just oh so much to talk about now uh, and looking forward to it so Until then, shiny vibes, good luck out there, be safe, all that good stuff. Bye-bye.